Biam Podders, Biamchis, Biam people. Save me here, Sanya. Biam folks. Biam folks. Folk. Is the plural of folks folk? Or f- is the plural of folk? No, that's all folks. Biam folks. <laughs> Biamphibians. Oh my, yes. <laughs> well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. What? Why? Why? Why the reaction? Well, I mean, would you like to be put in the same category as, or something that sounded like an amphibian? Something that sounded like an amphibian. Yeah. What's wrong with amphibians? What have you got against amphibians? Well, I mean, frogs. They're cute, aren't they? They are cute. Uh, I can't think salamanders? of salamanders. I can't think of any other amphibians. There aren't any others, are there? <laughs> Are salamanders amphibians? No, no, there's, uh, th- yeah, yes, probably. Who Suppose knows? Toads. What about an axolotl? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we probably don't need to spend, spend much These time are on life's this. Life's big questions. Yeah. Hey, Sanya, I read um, oh, yes. last week on the Meridian Forum. Yeah. That you remember all that? fresh stuff that we had going on oh god help us yes um, we're still talking about someone it someone thought we? we'd jump the shark what does that mean what you don't know that phrase no it means when like a tv show or a podcast yeah um it's the point at which it stops being good Ooh. um <laughs> it comes from the happy days because yes when, you've told me about yes, this when before the fonz tried to ride a motorcycle over a shark tank that was the point at which um, oh. Started going downhill. Uh oh, we lost patrons as well, didn't Unless we? Unless you lost, we, lo- we lost at least st- one patron. No one. Yeah, yeah, but other that was the only one that actually said why he was leaving. The others might have left. No, there said. weren't that many. Oh, we didn't no. lose that many. Oh, okay. And it, there was the no, the others had said it was a financial situation. So okay, yeah, yeah. And it was like only another two. So uh, just okay. saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one then. <laughs> Perhaps it's the one that thought we'd jump the shark. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's not talk about that. So, uh, sounds that can't be made. Mm. We Sanya's drinking uh, on on mic. I just need some caffeine. Oh. You're flagging today. A little bit, yeah. Oh, no. My brain didn't get to wash itself enough last night. Oh, Jesus. But right, here's the thing, right? We're living with Sanya. <laughs> She'll read it in one of her. It was a podcast. Her, okay, I or listen it. or something. Yes. And then what will happen? She'll normally listen to it or read it or something. Yeah, you know, while she's having a shower and in the morning, and then I'll, she'll come downstairs and just recount everything to me, and then she'll proceed to use that latest bit of knowledge in like every other conversation for the next week until she reads another thing that kind of gets lodged in her. Yeah, head. I mean, I didn't read it; I was listening to it. But so, yeah. So the late, latest thing is your brain washes itself in your sleep. Yeah. There's like a certain stage of sleep where it releases some sort of chemical, I suppose Is it, is it, it detergent is? or it, <laughs> washing up I liquid? Guess it is kind of. I think it's like the first stage of sleep and it, it will kind of cover itself in this liquid and basically wash itself and it creates a waste product which is then excreted through your um, uh-huh. waste excrement <laughs> systems. Okay. Um, and if you if your sleeping schedule goes off kilter and let's say you go to sleep an hour or two later than usual, you can miss a critical f- 
part of that phase like it won't just kick in it's set to kind of it's synced up with your um, what did i say everyone circadian rhythm what did i say so that's why in order to feel your best you're like your optimum optimal performance uh it's best to sort of stick to a, a, a similar sleeping time each day we can't always do that like i say jump the shark <laughs> Here's another thing. You about, set it off by bringing it up. Exactly. Here's you know, another you thing. You know about, what you're getting yourself here's into. Here's another thing about Sanya. I can't just mention if we we've got something to do, such as record a podcast, and they say I need to tell her. I know I daren't tell her before we do that thing because it will send her off on a completely different. What do you mean? Path. Tell well, like what? that, I mentioned a thing and now you've got, rather than focus on what we're meant to be doing, which is talking about sounds that can't be made on a Meridian podcast, you've just kind of gone on for two minutes about... Can I just say the other thing so, that... No, I this you morning. can keep no, it no, in. No, but our listeners might find it really interesting. So basically, each of, our, each of our mental activities during the day or physical activities creates, because it's using brain energy and, you know, our brain power, I suppose... I don't know the scientific terms, it creates a certain amount of waste, which then will get washed out as we sleep. These are such unscientific terms. But basically, different kinds of activity create a different amount of waste. So meditating or reading or doing yoga or walking create a low amount of waste. But if you're doing something that is very mentally intensive, like um, geometry... Recording or, a podcast about Marillion? Or maybe trying to figure out what you're going to say in that podcast, it can create. Fine, just just talk about this. It can create this. more. Just talk about this for the next hour. More waste matter in your brain, so you would actually benefit from more sleep. Okay, great. There you Thank go. you. Thank I'm you for sh- having that... the patience with me to get that out of my system. Yes, I know. This is. I know you have to follow your. I have train to of get thought. it out of the system. It's really bizarre. Yeah, it it's is. It's really bizarre. But I really love I love it when I can, so thank you. Yeah, well, I, I won't tell you, I won't mention the thing that I was going to mention before we started recording because I knew you'd instantly start making notes and writing things down that had nothing to do with what this is meant to be about. So what are we in? Uh, so we're six minutes in. We've talked about amphibians, jumping the shark, happy days, and uh, brainwashing. Shall we talk about sounds that can't be made now? Look yeah, at your well, face. No, I want to know the thing that you were going to tell uh, me uh, that you uh, didn't tell uh, me. I'll tell you afterwards. It's not, it's not irrelevant. They're not oh, relevant. Oh, you you're going to tell me after we've recorded the podcast? Yeah, it's not. It, it's something we. I'm going to be distracted for the whole podcast. We ha- now. Oh, we have to. Know, I have to know about how can someone who's in America send money to someone in the UK? Please don't. Let's have a conversation. PayPal? Okay, they, she doesn't want to do PayPal. Let's. It's a oh. client in, in America. Please let us not I mean, discuss. Please let us not. This is why. Sorry. Do you see? You're doing it. Do you not see? You're just proving my point. You badgered me to tell you what the thing was, and now you're you're doing exactly what I knew you would do, which is why I didn't want to tell you. Hmm. Is that my fault? Because you know what I'm like, or well, you told is me you, you couldn't for focus. teasing me. You told me you couldn't me focus that you on had the podcast. Something that you wanted to tell me that had to wait. I was trying to prove a point. Right, sounds that can't be made. Yes. Okay. Sounds that can't Again, be made. Again, the album. E- every episode, I'm sure we just shed more and more listeners. <laughs> so this is I came here. But to then do. we know that the ones that stick around are our true kindred spirits. Yeah, that's true. If you're still here, after if you're the last still here, you minutes, are like a true kindred spirit. You're one of us. One of us. One no, of no. us. You're the best of the best. Cream of the crop. We still haven't got down to talking about right, the Right, sounds that can't be made. Right, Go. released 17th of September 2012. Um, there was a deluxe campaign edition which came with a DVD called Making Sounds. Which Have we watched that? I did when we got it. That was 
you know, what, 11 years oh, ago now. We should now. have rewatched it before this episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, yeah I, I know, but here's the thing, right? Maybe we need to watch it this weekend if we, have, if we are given the opportunity. The trouble I find with covering this album and the next two mm. is they're very well documented. Um, and I think they're very well documented in recent memory, obviously. Oh, so you think you would be telling people things that they already know? That's the risk with this album. Um, you know, I don't, I, you know, whereas sort of going back to the 80s or, or some of the earlier albums, you know, when the internet wasn't quite so all-consuming, I think stuff was sort of harder to dig up. So sort of doing the research was, uh, you know, it was more likely you're going to kind of find stuff that people didn't know. There is very little that I found about sounds that can't be made that I didn't know already, if anything, to be honest, other than what we talked about last week, like H had a song about Paris. And, you know, but I'm sure there uh, are people out there like me who don't know. I'm sure there are. Even if I was around at the time. We will, we will cover the basics. I don't have the best memory. The other issue as well I found with sounds that can't be made is it sort of marks a period... Um, where for me, H's lyrics changed a bit. By his own admission, oh. he, um, he, he, I wouldn't say running out of ideas, but he felt he'd said everything he needed to say. So every time, basically from this album onwards, every time he uh, had to come up with lyrics for an album, it was getting harder and harder. Mm. So uh, in fact, I watched, there's a, the, the electronic, press kit video um that they released alongside the album is is still on the youtube channel i watched it the other day and h sort of said in that that he he'd you know been pressuring the album um, the, the band to release an instrumental album oh. uh, <laughs> yeah and you saw his face when uh in lucy he was interviewing them asked you know uh, when are they gonna sort of get around to doing the next album you just saw the sheer horror on his face of the thought that he's got to write more lyrics i don't blame him though Mm. i don't blame him i mean he could just go down the um what's that famous singer from the beatles the happy guy the happy guy mc mc paul mccartney He could ha- go down his route uh, and just write, you know, the happy one, lyrics. The about... happy one in the Beatles. He does, he does, doesn't he always seem happy um, with his bouncing cheeks? Jolly. Hmm. Uh, Not jolly, but like he kind of he's bright. If someone said to me, who's the happy one in the Beatles? I would have probably said Ringo. Peace and love, peace and love. I'd probably say Ringo was the, the jolly one. I'd have a different word, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast. The stupid one. No, not stupid. No, not stupid. What's the word? Go on. No. Go on, say it. No, because I'm going to offend all the Beatles fans. He's he's certainly eccentric, isn't he? He's eccentric. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love him. What's the word, Sam? I Is love it weird? Him. No, it's just like dopey. <laughs> <laughs> but I love him. Peace and love, peace and love. I, re- I re-watched that video every year for ages. Right. So... Can you imagine that if um, Disney did a film called Snow White and the Seven Beatles? <laughs> they like, so should. Which <laughs> happy, dopey. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm really have to censor myself. Yeah. Today. No, it's really bad. Happy, dopey, hippie. Um, there you go. That's better. Uh, I mean, who would uh, well, who would Lennon be? Oh. What? Are you are you not going to say Daddy? 
Yeah. You were, weren't you? I know. I told you it was bad. All right. Well, well then who else Sorry, you everyone. Then Sorry you... for existing, everyone. Uh, then you get Yoko Ono. <laughs> <laughs> She's Snow White. Really? So Yoko Ono and the Seven Beatles. <laughs> With the music that she plays at Glastonbury. Who else did you get? Well, you know get... that her her yeah. interesting, <laughs> interesting style of music. You'd you'd obviously get um, George Martin and um, Pete Best in there. So I don't know who who the seventh Beatle would be. What about the guy that wrote Lord of Lord of the Rings? J.R. Tolkien. Is he one of the Beatles? No, the film. The film. <laughs> The Hobbit film. Oh my God. Oh, so what do we have? I needed coffee. Who do we have? Right, we have Happy, Dopey, Hippie, Daddy, <laughs> George, Martin, George Martin, Pete Best, and, and J.R.R. Tolkien. That's the seven Beatles. <laughs> With Yoko Ono skipping through the woods, wailing. How do we get onto this? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was that, saying Phil. like, yeah, because sometimes Jackson, like you? Paul McCartney isn't afraid to just write a song about, you know. Frogs. Yeah, or something like that. But by the same token, I respect H's dedication to have lyrics that are a little bit more meaningful. Yes, but um, this isn't necessarily a criticism, uh, but... But, you know, particularly because this album and the next two, I sort of see them as an era. Uh, yeah, they definitely are I see an them era. as an era because it was, for me, even though there's similarities with Happiness is the Road in some areas, these three albums really feel like a step up um, yeah. from somewhere else and they Happiness sh- is the Road. They really are. And... I was going to say, they sure are, Paul. So this isn't necessarily a criticism, but what I found with the lyrics from this point onwards is, uh, uh, you know, from, from our perspective of having to sort of analyse them like we've done in the past, it feels like there's sort of a bit less double meaning in there. They're a little bit more surface. So you kind of, you kind of get what they're about. Look, we all know what Gaza's about. Yeah, uh, it says, I, it, it says it in the name. Yeah, I think title. I think the sounds that can't be made is pretty self-explanatory. I, Do you? Yeah, I don't really. No, no. I mean, I've got my theory, but I'm really not confident with it. Really, I've got what it means to me. Basically, the song means a lot to me, but I don't think that my particular version of how I interpret it is the actual Do you, do you think version. it's a song about a man who owns a funfair? No. <laughs> no, I don't, Paul Rose. I would never think that. I hope they do write one one day. <laughs> Just <laughs> this so, one's for you, Sonia yeah. Rose. Um, yeah, all right. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I really struggle to kind of sort of a- analyse the lyrics. I can certainly kind of go what I think of the lyrics because I think there's yeah. some absolutely gorgeous words yeah, there really are. Um, you know, sounds that can't be made. And I've got to say, no, we'll talk about Poor My Love when we get to it. But, okay. Um, but yeah, Poor My Love, is, you know, I think is is um, a good example of, of the fact that H, uh, I'm going to say running out of words, that's not fair because what he does on this album is great. But Poor My Love, as we know, is a John Helmer lyric. Um, yes, or, le- or on as it's written on Apple Music, Johnny Helmer. Yes, Johnny Helmet. Uh, 
which you found very amusing when I told you. Yes, Johnny Helmer. Uh, it's a Johnny Helmer lyric left over from around the time of ha- uh, Holidays in Eden, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. Originally called Bend Your Head. Oh, I'm yeah. glad they changed the title. A bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> I think it was changed quite late in the day. Glad they changed it to Pour My Love. Um, so here's some other bits and pieces about the album. Uh, it got to number 43 in the charts because I think this was pre all the, the pre-orders counting towards chart positions. Right. Because as we know now, they get top 10. <laughs> um, oh, cool. These days, they're a top 10 band again. Good. Well, that's as it should be. Pre-orders should count. Yes. Well, yes. Well, yes. And they do now. Uh, the cover. Do you know what the cover is? Um, a shell? No, everyone thinks that. It's uh Oh, no, it's a sound thing. Yeah, cardioid. It, cardioid artery. Yes, dear. Uh, it, it was actually a 3D printed shape. It's, it's not like a, 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 a flat image. It's actually... It's it is actually, an actual physical object. It's a physical object. It's a photograph of it. No way. Yeah, it's actually I it was really like an small. AI image. There's pictures of it online. It's like really small. Uh this oh, this cool. thing. Yeah. But I think it it it's sort of designed as well to look a uh, bit like an ear. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Sounds. Yes. Um so it was designed by Simon Ward, booked it was designed by five different artists, photographers and designers, including they brought back uh, Antonio uh I can't pronounce his surname, C Jess, Cy Jess. Simon Ward, uh, Andy Wright, Mark Bassant, and Carl Glover. Um, and also on the cover and on the Deluxe Campaign box was the Arecibo message. Do you know what that is? No, I've never heard of it. It was an interstellar uh, radio message that carries basic information about humanity and Earth, and it was sent to the globular cluster Messier 13 in 1974. And it's meant as a demonstration of human technological achievement. Oh, cool. It was sent just in case there was anyone there. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it hasn't reached its destination yet. I don't know. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Um, what was the message? I don't know. If I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was. Hi there. I don't think it was Earth. like a literal kind of. You know, it was a mathematical thing oh, to show that right. we could do it. And it looked like teletext. Funnily enough, the image and it's like got a man. A figure of a man or person, human. Sorry, um, yeah. Oh, nice. Not nice. <laughs> Imagine that an alien, <laughs> says, an alien, an alien, it, alien, alien turns on his radio. Yeah, this message comes. Say, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be on the radio, would it? It's a f- anyone, whatever. Um, yeah, so it's a sort of image. Hmm. Maybe there was other information contained. I don't know. It's not what the album's about, is it, Sanya? Now, I mean, I have no idea anymore. No idea. Uh, so. Oh, so I've just got. What's going on? I've just got the um, the humour. The album is called Sounds That Can't Be Made. And on the cover, you have a sound that has been made. A sound that has been made physical. Mm. <laughs> that's so, that's clever. I like it's that. It's funny, is it? That's fu- it's great. That's what you like, is it? That's what makes you laugh. <laughs> an episode of only fools and horses oh look what i've done here rodney <laughs> i've made a sound that can't be made <laughs> marlene that's one for all our international listeners 
episode where Boise starts printing out 3D printing cardioids. You don't, you've never watched Danny Force and Horses. <laughs> no. Listener, if you can see the blank look on Sonia's <laughs> face while she's sort of chuckling away, kind of like nervously. Uh, anyway, whatever. I'm sure most of our listeners would get, will get the reference. <laughs> I'm sending a message to the globular cluster, Marlene. <laughs> You don't know who Boise is, do you? No. No. Uh. Or Marlene. You've been you've been you've been sending messages to the globular cluster, Del Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to borrow my cardioid? <laughs> you don't have to laugh. I know you don't know what's going on. I'm laughing at my own confusion. <sighs> right, let's um should we get cancelled then? Uh, oh, <laughs> and jump into it. Yeah. Um, well, we're starting off with the music, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, well, let's look. Look, before we, we start talking about Gaza, we did obviously do a whole episode about Gaza, which we recorded um, prior to October the 7th and everything that's happened since then. Yes. Um, which for me, I kind of thought, oh, we probably won't need to delve into it much more and then Sonia told me she'd written loads about it I haven't I mean I haven't written loads but I have I I didn't want to just gloss over it because it's such a it's such a complex song and you could see that so much has gone into the creation of it and the writing of it I didn't want to just go like oh yeah it's really good and move on no uh all right well let's oh actually before I read these I wanted to read some reactions to it Okay. Um, and I also wanted to read H's statement about okay. it. But let's talk about the music first. All right. So, Sanya. Yes. Big song. Big song. Like 17 minutes-ish, isn't it? I read a quote from Mark Kelly where he said that he thinks uh, a reaction to a Marillion album hinges on whether there's a couple of big songs on it. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So people are generally unhappy if there isn't? Yes, that's That's what why. my guess is. Yeah. People love something they can sink their teeth into. Yes. Yeah, I mean, big song, it is basically like several songs put together, but then with a common thread that, that weaves them into one. Yeah, in the olden days, this would be side one of an album. Yeah, basically. Um, but, oh my God, it's... Phenomenal. It's a great song. I'm like listening to it. It was like, oh yeah, I missed it. And the sound quality is because I, okay, I haven't listened to a Marillion album for a while now, sit with headphones on mm. at least, like sat down in my own little cave with the headphones on. It does matter what headphones you wear, I've realized in this listen. Um, and, and just fully listen to like the quality is. Just exquisite for a word I haven't used in in a long time, but this album definitely deserves it. It's just so clear and punchy and lush and Gaza itself. The music is so layered and textured and intertwined. And I also, I'm going to find it a bit tricky. Um, I'm going to try and concentrate only on the music, but the music and the lyrics really are very... They're intertwined, intertwined. aren't they? It's, it's one of those songs like Ocean Cloud 
where the music absolutely reflects the, the lyrics. Mu- the music reflects the lyrics. The music is like a vehicle for the lyrics, which I mean, there is in every song, but particularly in this song, it's the way that the way that the instruments express the emotions that the lyrics are describing it's it's just it is masterful it's like you get um sorry let me just see if i can find um yeah there's so much contrast it's like you've got the heavier punchier parts mixed with these lighter softer more ethereal parts and it's just so rich and multifaceted it's like the musical equivalent of a crystal but a crystal embedded in a mountain. So you've got like the rough part of the mountain mixed with the the glistening light part of the mountain. And it was like, it. okay, this, this bit made me laugh to myself. This thing that I said made me laugh. Okay. Um, it made me want to go and get my ears cleaned professionally. You know how like you had the earwax oh, the best removed thing. from your ears? It's it made me want to get that done so I could appreciate the music even more. Because it was like, I just want my ears cleaner so that, because I feel like, I feel like it's getting in the way of me enjoying this, the the layers and the 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 subtleties well that's testament to mike hunter yeah it really is who just with every album from really from happiness is the road onwards just kept proving his worth yeah it's pure artistry i mean and the way that he's like the wizard that's able to take all the individual elements of each instrument and the vocals and just kind of bring them together in this magical potion um, well, it's more than that, though, as we know with Mike Hunter, and this is the album I think where it really happened that Meridian really became a six piece because yeah. he would take their bits and pieces and and assemble a song out out of bits of jams, right? And you know they would then have to relearn things that they'd just done spontaneously in the moment. Oh man, <laughs> that must be so challenging. There is actually, I'll just read this. Sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. But, um, I'll just read this. H uh, said at the time, he said the, the end of the recording process, it ended. It descended into anarchy. Oh, no. Uh, nobody knew what anyone else was doing, including Mike. Basically, cause they were running out of time. They had this release date. The album was sort of so delayed. Uh, nobody knew what anybody else was doing, including Mike. We were all adding overdubs and little bits to songs in hotels around the world. Um and then apparently this is as then Pete sort of said that they had to then they had to knew they had to sit down with this version of the album that had everyone's oh, little bits on uh, no way. that they'd recorded separately from one another. So they weren't present as these no. pieces were coming up. It would be together. like kind of others would go, oh, that bit needs a bit more guitar or H would add another bit of singing or, oh or something. God. So they had to, and Pete said they were in Scandinavia and they were on tour and they knew that this time was coming. They were all putting it off because <laughs> they were worried they'd all fall out and like the tour would end abruptly oh, um, really? because, you know, people would get precious over the bits that they'd added, uh, but they had to make a choice oh. of which new additions and embellishments to jettison. Oh, right. So it wasn't like people were adding these little bits went off from their own separate corners of the world. Mike Hunter was weaving them together and then they would come together and listen to it and go, okay, that is the final piece. What was happening was they, they'd come together 
and be like, actually, no, I don't like that bit that you added. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, I can see how that could be risky. But obviously it didn't happen. No, and clearly they made the right choices when it came to which bits to to remove from the songs. Yeah, I wonder how hard it is to write an album or a song like that from separate locations because I know then they had a kind of similar experience with Rothers during the COVID lockdown yeah I I'd don't, love to know it, like, it's not their, the same as writing the, it's not yeah. writing it's it, it's overdubbing it's adding oh, bits and right. pieces adding embellishments yeah kind of yeah embellishments that's that's it embellishing the songs really oh um, right so it's not like the crucial parts of the song no 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 I think the songs were sort of pretty much written and constructed this was more about what went on top you know the little sort of details the flourishes the flourishes that's that's it so yeah so uh you know and gaza is a song that is full of flourishes yeah it really is listen to it loud such a joy to listen to is such a oh it's just like a delicacy you know i i understand people liking an album with a longer song because i feel like it gives you the chance to really kind of immerse yourself into it, to sink into it and kind of like just let it overtake you and be in it. You you don't just kind of go in it and then leave. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Now I'm going to say something really controversial. Okay. Uh, it's not about politics. <laughs> uh, it's not my favourite song. Oh. I've always slightly struggled with Gaza. What you mean musically? Musically. Um, oh. And what is it that you've struggled with? I find it very much cut and paste. Um, I also struggle for a lot of the song. And I get, look, I, I it's a song that I admire more than like mm. uh, because I think what the song does is something very cinematic yes. where the music, conjures up a sense of place yeah that's exactly Um, i wrote that down i wrote down it's like listening to a movie yeah and it's got it feels claustrophobic it feels dirty and dusty and grimy and you know people on top of one another yeah and that's obviously you know the message of the song yeah um you know is is uh we'll, we'll get into the message of the song in a moment but but for me uh, it's a difficult listen because it's it sort of lacks through that through that sort of building of atmosphere and that sort of cinematography of sound almost. Hmm. Um, it it lacks melody. Yeah. Um, until it gets to that, it just ain't right. Yeah. Bit. Now from that point onwards, and it gets me every single time live. I get tears in my eyes whenever he sings. It just ain't right. Um, there's a few Marillion songs that do that. Another one is is most recently um, Sierra Leone. Just the bit mm. where he sings, you know, walking free in Freetown. Yeah. For some reason, it just it just makes me weep. But the thing is, would you have would it have had as much impact on you had it not had all the previous bits of music that led you uh, to that point? Because uh, I really feel like it. I know, I get what you mean, a hundred percent. The first part of the song musically isn't something that like I enjoy on a melody level, but I really do enjoy it on a storytelling level because it's just the way that like you know, as you said, the the, the claustrophobia, the pe- the feeling of people being on top of each other, the 
there, there's a combativeness in certain parts of the music, like, um, uh, for example, the bit where H sings Hell Can Erupt at Any Moment, Day or Night. There's there's a really hauntingness to the guitar at around 8 minutes 25 where there's an instrumental. There's 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 um there's a bit I think it's around 10 minutes or so where where um the first time H sings with the love of our family and it sounds like there's a choir singing so you get that feeling of support of unitedness the voices united together. There's a real it's a really cinematic song. And I think even though it hasn't got that kind of like pleasing melody, I'm not saying it's unpleasant, it's not unpleasant, but it hasn't got that kind of like song quality to it. It's more storytelling. When you then get hit with that, it's just, just ain't right bit. It's, it, it's even more powerful. I don't know. Because then, um, and then you get the guitar yeah. and everything and it's like, whoa. But I love all, uh, you know, I love all that detail. There's there's a bit, I think, in that same instrumental section where most of the music drops away and it's just guitar and there's this sort of whistling yeah. keyboard line. And there's also this this sort of rhythm or sound that goes, da, 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 that oh. sounds like Machine Gun. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. So it's I not had Machine to write Gun. This down. It, it's music, but it sounds like distant Machine Gun Is that fire. at the end? That, no. Oh, because I had to write this down. Like, it had nothing to do with the song, but I had to, like, there was an interesting buzzing sound that you can hear at about 14 minutes mm. 14. It was just before H sings, It's Like a Nightmare yeah. Rose Up. And I don't know what it is, but, like, I really, really appreciated it so much I had to give it a, sh- a shout out. Okay. Like, shout out to that buzzing sound. Love love the buzzing. Yeah, love that buzzing sound. It was just like, oh, it was really satisfying. I don't know if that's the... I don't think that sounded it isn't like... It that bit, no. That didn't sound there like is, machine there, gun. During that, the machine, maybe it was meant machine to be something gunny like bit, that. There is a, there's, a, there's also another sort of... There's a sort of zapping sound, which to me sounded... You know, it kind of made me think, oh, electric shocks or, or you know, razor wire or something. It, it's just yeah. loads of little detail like oh, that. Just like, um, it's such a sensory... Um, I don't know what you how you'd describe it. <laughs> Sensory experience. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, not the word I wanted, okay. but that'll do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I again, would I appreciate that it just ain't right? Bit. I don't know because I do find it. I, I, I just do struggle with it. I do struggle with those first ten minutes or so. Or, I mean, I love some of the more atmospheric bits, but it's so aggressive um, that it's just not a pleasant listen. And I, 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 so, but it's not like other songs where I might kind of go, I just don't like it. Yeah. It's a song that I, I have a lot of respect for musically and admire its ambition and detail. Yeah. Uh, but it's not one that I would put on for pleasure. Generally. Yeah, it's it's a piece of storytelling. Yeah, it's it's not a pleasant listen, but it's not a pleasant experience. No, and it's not it's yeah. not a pleasant thing that it's talking about. Yeah, so I wouldn't expect it to be pleasant. It's, I wouldn't but, yeah. want it to be pleasant. But the, it's like you know, were I to watch a documentary about Gaza, you yeah, know, you would kind of go, yeah, that was well made. Yeah, go. You know, I'm glad I watched it, but I'm never going to watch that again. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't watch a documentary. A documentary about Gaza and expect it to feel like watching a Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. But that said, I do listen to the song. Yeah. But there are also times when I'll put on the album and I will skip straight to the title track. Really? Yeah. Oh, 
didn't know it's that. It's a big commitment. It's 17 minutes. It is a big commitment. That's true. Yeah. So I do, yeah, I just find it hard going. Um, but I don't dislike it. It, it. This isn't, saying I find it hard going isn't necessarily a negative because I also think it deserves its place. Yeah. Um, it's a I, big commitment. I think I think you've summed it up there. It, you, it's a commitment emotionally as well. I do think uh, its place on the album is a bit strange where it is. I find it an odd opener. Oh. Yeah. I find it. I find it strange as the first track on the album. Uh, I can't really think where else I would have placed it though. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of prefer it at the beginning. Yeah, maybe. But the rest of the album, it's also tonally very different from the rest of the album. The rest mm. of the album, this is quite a mellow album. It's mm. quite. It's a very melodic album. Mm. Uh, and it. I don't know. Maybe it's that as much as anything. It just. It just sits oddly on that album. It's quite a ballady album, quite poppy. And then you've got this massive prog thing that's aggressive and angry and, yeah. I, see, I I mean, I, I get your point. I get what you mean. I can see where you're coming from. Although I feel because it ends... It doesn't end melodically, but it's got that it just ain't right bit that's quite epic. And then it goes into sounds that can't be made, which is equally epic. I feel that it that does kind of fit. Oh, it's, I mean... I find it, that yeah. like, if maybe it, it was sounds that can't be made into Pour My Love, I would have been like, what really? the hell? But sounds that can't be made can hold its own next to Gaza. I do find it strange, though, that you've got Pour My Love and Gaza on the same <laughs> album, know. separated by one song. That's, to, you know, in terms of... Yeah, tonal whiplash. Well, it's not a concept album. <laughs> sure, shit, it's not a concept <laughs> album. I hope that doesn't sound too negative because I guess I just got a complex reaction when I well when I listen to it back, and I always have. Um, yeah, because it's a song that I don't love but I admire. It's I know that's strange, but anyway, that makes sense. Like you have respect for it and you admire it. Yeah, yeah. But- aesthetically mm. it's not one that you go oh, i love the melody of it i also if i'm totally honest yeah um even though i always get a bit teary at the it just ain't right bit i do find it a bit of a slog live in what way just a slog what the it just ain't right bit no 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 the rest of it oh I it's see. a huge chunk of the set Oh, it's a long song. And I like the long songs, but I don't know, maybe it was one that we got a lot and because I didn't always... Um, yeah, I, I just... I struggle to hold on to the song. It, it It's like smoke. It's such a... Meridian, for me, are masters of melody um, and masters of catchiness and and there just isn't that to hold, hold on to for this. And I think the cut and paste nature of it, the fact that you know, it doesn't necessarily harken back to earlier sections. You know, when you get to the end, it it does feel a little bit disjointed, I think. And I think that's part of my problem. Right. So, yes, we sort of said that in the olden days, this would be one half of a an album or one side of a concept album. But even on something like Misplaced Childhood, there were musical themes that repeated Mm. you know there were callbacks so that yeah. it felt like a unified piece whereas right. this does feel to me 
slightly disjointed. So you feel like it could have been improved with if there had been some callbacks. Yeah, I think that's it. Even if there are callbacks, callbacks to the angry bits, right? But the song changes, but doesn't sort of evolve. Right. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It it doesn't flow as a song. Um, yes, you could say, oh, they're all individual, you know, songs or subsections or whatever, but. Because but you'd like them to be more united. I like it when they do musical pieces that, that said, I mean, you know, The Invisible Man, the beginning of that doesn't sound like the end of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't, it's whatever, it's different strokes for different folks. Yeah. So, so come on, let's, um, let's delve into it. Uh, let me read the sleeve notes that H wrote. Uh, he wrote, this is a song for the people, especially the children of Gaza. It was written after many conversations with ordinary Palestinians living in the refugee camps of Gaza and the West Bank. I also spoke to Israelis, to NGO workers, to a diplomat unofficially working in Jerusalem and took their perspectives into account while writing the lyric. It's not my stroke our intention to smear the Jewish faith or people. We know many Jews are deeply critical of the current situation and nothing here is intended to show sympathy for acts of violence, whatever the motivation but simply to ponder upon where desperation inevitably leaves. Many Gazan children are now the grandchildren of Palestinians born in the refugee camps, so-called temporary shelters, temporary for over 50 years now. Gaza is today effectively a city imprisoned without trial. We ask you to add your voice to those already campaigning and lobbying for a peaceful and urgent resolution to this desperately unfair situation. Please check out the Hoping Foundation, www.hopingfoundation.org, which provides facilities and materials for Palestinian children, enabling them to play, to learn, and to express themselves through art, music, and the performing arts. Help if you can. The dream might not, after all, be just the dream. You know, that was 11 years ago. Look where we are. Oh, my God, I know. Um, now, this is a topic that... Um, already even before we got to this uh, we already had a message on Facebook from someone saying please steer away from the politics did we? yeah Um, and it was a song that at the time divided the fan base and certainly uh, lost Marillion some fans there were people who said they would never listen to Marillion again after this song. Okay. I mean, I find it interesting because the song, it doesn't come across to me personally as political. To me, it comes across as a description of what life is like in that area of the world. Yes, but you can't... Which it's like if you're describing living in a rainforest, saying hot and humid every day, I can't get dry, you know, I don't know. How is that a political... I mean, yes, it is a political statement because they wouldn't be living in certain conditions if it wasn't for the politics of the area. I know that's tricky. And I don't but, th- you know, I don't think you can say this song doesn't offer a opinion because he, he, he literally sings it just ain't right. He calls yeah. it a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, you can't... You know, and at the time, Marillion and H went to great lengths to distance themselves from a political message, mm. which to me is, you know, yes. It but is, it objectively it, is a nightmare. 
Okay, yeah, let's... It doesn't matter which side you're on. Before we get to our own opinions, let's just just talk about the reaction to it at the time. Uh, You know, H went to great lengths to distance himself from it being uh, an over-criticism one side or the other. Right. Uh, In fact, actually... So it's just reminded me that it's one of the issues I do have with the song is because the lyrics, some of them are clearly direct quotes from people he spoke to. Yeah. Uh, so consequently, I find the lyrics sometimes slightly awkwardly sitting within the music. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't always scan perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's just, you know, but, but he wanted to represent their words accurately. Now, Anyone who's listened to the Corona Diaries will know that H does have a view and it, you know, that view isn't straight down the middle. Uh, you know, he, he's made it very clear which side he feels is perhaps most in the wrong. So I've never fully kind of bought into the whole... <sighs> a line like there's grieving mothers on both sides of the wire, which there are. Yeah. Um but lyrically, it always felt a little bit, you know, which there are. I mean, Christ, look at what happened on October the 7th. Yeah. You know, you sort of say objectively the situation's a nightmare. Yeah. But also objectively for anyone who lost someone on that day and the way in which it happened and on the scale in which it happened. Yeah. That's also a nightmare. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about the whole situation yeah. for everyone involved. Yes. But I, I personally never sort of viewed this song, despite lines like there's grieving mothers on both sides of the wire, this felt like it was a song written, it really is written from the perspective of a child in Gaza. Yes. So therefore, it is one-sided. Now, I'm not debating the rights or, or wrongs of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just stating, you know, if you're writing it from the perspective of one, one person on one side of the wire, how... For, yeah, balance can it be? Right. Now, that's fine. That's a fair point. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, I'm just saying that I, I never fully bought that explanation. That, you know, it, it, it felt like it was a comment on the living conditions and the the what the Gazan people and the Palestinians have, have endured mm-hmm. rather than it being, oh, the whole thing is, yeah, the whole thing is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it is. It's an enormous mess. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, there's more attention given to the Palestinian Gazan perspective. There's no attention given to the Israeli perspective. No. But then we also have the bit thrown in with, not thrown in, we also have the bit that that does acknowledge that both sides are suffering. Yes. And when I say it's it's like a nightmare rose up from this small strip of land, I, I do feel like that is an objective statement, it, not just saying it is yeah. for one side. But, yeah, of course, most of the song is written from a Palestinian perspective. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, and it, it is a comment on the imbalance as well you know the line about throwing stones and rockets yes back. Yeah. you know it, it 
and we can. But is that unfair? If that's how the situation is. Well, that is that, it unfair to write that? Why? That's why the can't question, he write it? it? He, he can't. I'm not. I, I, I'm not making it. <laughs> I feel like you know. It's like why would we not be allowed to say that when that is what happens? Well, uh, hang on. Wait a minute. I'm not saying he can't say that. Yeah. What I'm saying is that. Any argument, but I guess according to some people, any it's ar- wrong. Yeah, what I'm saying but, is that any argument that this is a song that's balanced, uh, all I'm saying is it. I don't think it is. Yeah, but true. Then, but maybe the situation's not balanced. Precisely. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> there are those who would disagree with you. Right. Now, uh, let me let me read some of these reviews. Okay. Okay. So this was one from Amazon, which gave it one out of five. That said, I'm a long-time fan of Marillion since the early days with Fish, and I've got to... I've just clicked off it. That's annoying. Oh, no. Um, and I've got to say that I'm completely mortified that they have tarnished the legacy of this great band by choosing to romanticise the Gaza Strip, an area which is democratically elected to terror- terrorist organisation Hamas that executes suspected collaborators without due process, and which by most standards is not a bastion of human rights. Oh, and let's not forget about the democratically elected government of Gaza's stated and public goal of destroying Israel, along with all of the Jewish people. Not exactly the utopia. I feel sorry for the kids of Gaza, but I also feel sorry for kids in Nigeria, Syria, Egypt and most African countries. Heck, I feel sorry for the millions of kids worldwide that are going to sleep tonight hungry. If Steve R and co are so concerned about the children of Gaza, why don't you just donate money to them? Or if you feel so inclined, put on a uniform and join Hamas. But please, for the love of God, leave politics out of music. I mean, anyone who ever says leave politics out of music is an idiot. I mean, it's I'm like, just yeah, saying good that luck. Now. They are, you know, have you, have <laughs> you ever looked at the history of music? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's that anyone that says that drives me mad because... Songs. Sorry, I mean, so, sorry. I'm going to get like a little bit feisty here, but like, who are you to tell other people what they can and can't write yeah, about? It drives in me their mad. music it or drives in their me songs. Mad. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. Well, it clearly isn't. Uh, okay, here's. But it's ma- like you can't tell someone you can't write that a song about that. Um, okay, here's uh, here's one from Prog Archives. Gaza rubs me the wrong way big time, as my brothers in Israel know a bit about being a target over their thousands of years of existence. The bad have stated they are not anti-Israel, but they are missing the big picture here completely, and they have lost fans over this. A review on Sea of Tranquility said, A decidedly one-sided telling of life in Gaza, although the band and their singer, Steve Hogarth, claimed it was all taken slightly out of context, being instead a comment on a situation innocent families find themselves in rather than a political statement. Yeah. So... I mean, I kind of... I do... Having listened to the song and looked at the lyrics, I do read it and interpret it more as the telling of a personal story of the people's experience living there. Does that then translate into a political statement? Maybe it does. But... For me, it, it it was more of a, this is what life is like in this war zone. Mm. I don't know. 
should there have been the opposite side told as well? This is what life whoa, whoa, is like whoa, whoa. Is no. in Israel. I don't no. know. That's I, really hard to say. I don't know. There, should is a, a crazy word to use. Yeah, I mean, in, to, in order to make it more balanced and less of a political statement. But, why, but like, okay. you know, I mean, sometimes got an political opinion, statements, you know, sometimes people want to make political statements. What happens, I think, sometimes is that, so I look at the BBC, right? Yeah. The BBC, who I have the most enormous respect for who are constantly being uh you know defund the bbc get rid of the license fee blah 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 um you know and i you know in this age of streaming there's an argument for it but we'd all be a damn sight poorer for it culturally Hmm. but the bbc have um a policy of being of having to be neutral politically Mm -hmm. consequently the BBC can never win. They don't always get it right. Clearly, sometimes yep. there's biases one way or another. Yeah. Um, and the BBC can never win. They are they are always the whipping boys because they get it from both sides. And it's one of the things that, um, you know, in life I've experienced it, you know, because I kind of politically, I'm, I, I'm not massively strong one way or another. I'm probably more left-leaning than right. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when I've kind of tried to, I don't even see it as the middle ground. Sometimes when I've kind of espoused something, you know, I don't comment ever on social media anymore because any, you know, about politics or anything like that, because I've found that often, you know, I kind of walk a a, a, a more of a central line down the middle. Mm. Um, And all that ever gets me is shit because everyone feels that they have to... uh, stick rigidly to, to their camp, to, to their, to camp. their tribe, their, their worldview. Now that's politics. Yeah. Uh, and I would argue that this is different, mm-hmm. uh, that it's humanitarian. However, it's also political mm. because it's been politicised. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's politicised by the American government and the British government and, you know, by Israel, Israel, part of the reason why uh, Israel has such strong support in the West is because of Israel's lobbying groups. You know, you've seen them go after Roger Waters. Now, Roger Waters, at the same time, you know, you, you kind of go, Jesus, mate. You know, it's like this week, he gave a, an interview where he was asked about the the slaughtering of you know, kids at a music festival on October the 7th mm. and where you saw him squirm and kind of go, well, we don't know exactly what happened. It's like, yes, we do. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's problematic in his own way now. Um, but uh, so it has been politicised because of these lobbying groups and also because the West wants a, a democracy in that region. Yeah. That, but at the same time, uh, and this is where I end up getting shit because I am kind of looking at it from both perspectives because at the same time you kind of go, why does Israel exist? It's because of what happened in World War II where millions of Jews, you know, there was huge anti-Semitism running up to World War II. Um, uh, yeah, the Jews were persecuted and murdered in their millions and felt unsafe and they wanted somewhere where they could feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you only have to look at... Yeah, go back to the, the, the 19th century when Zionism became an idea mm-hmm. and was first uh, suggested as, as, you know, the Jews needing their own 
homeland where they could just be Jews. Um, yeah, it started in the 19th century. You know, the 19th century, a time when, for instance, like in, you know, beloved novel like Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, you know, you've got a character like Fagin who is, you know, a, a horrific Jewish stereotype. Um, so anti-Semitism, yeah, the Jews are, like it or not, one of the most persecuted races on earth mm-hmm. now. Yeah, you know, and they've they've had more prejudice against them than, than so many others. Um, you you know, Muslims do as well. But at the same time, you cannot you can have that truth, and you can also have the truth that that the way Israel are behaving towards the Palestinians is also monstrous. And um, and you but, can also have the truth of just a song depicting what life is like in Gaza. Yeah. Well, you can also, it doesn't take away from the ordeal that the Jewish people have had to go through. It doesn't lessen no. their trauma no. by having a song highlighting the trauma of the people in Gaza. No, but this is what I'm talking they're about. Sep- they're, in, they're, they're connected, but they're also separate. But this is what I'm talking about, how, about how the situation has been politicised. Because... It, it, <laughs> If you if you dare to criticise the state of Israel, the government of Israel, um, you risk being labelled anti-Semitic. Yeah, um, because it's taken as if it's a it's taken as um, a criticism of their race or their ethnicity rather than a political the actions but, of a government exactly. Yeah, but you know the the teenagers and the young people at that music festival festival did not deserve to die but then neither do did the thousands that have died since october the 7th in gaza um but you know i feel like i'm stating the obvious but um this week alone i i had a couple of meetings about a job with um uh, a jewish woman and I'm really conflicted about it because it, she had apparently written up this idea that she wants turned into a script a couple of years ago. They, they were a production company and they wanted to make a non-denominational holiday movie, you know, because the Christians have Christ, Christmas movies. They wanted to make one that was for all the other faiths. Mm-hmm. And initially I thought, this is a great idea. Um that was after the first meeting, you know, she talked me through it. And then the second meeting, uh, it started to all get a bit um, pro-Israel, uh, despite there being Muslim characters and blah, blah, blah. And like she wanted this scene where some women in bikinis are walking down the street with pro-Israeli slogans saying things like Hamas equals ISIS um, painted on their bodies. And I... I had to come away from it because it's like I've heard this whole thing about Hamas being the same thing as ISIS. Now, Hamas is clearly, uh, you know, bloodthirsty and, you know, what what happened on October the 7th is is testament to that. But I had to come away and it's like Hamas isn't the same thing as ISIS. They are different. They were different organisations with different goals. Now, that doesn't mean they're not equally evil or whatever, evil in quotes, but, um, but this is sort of the level of, this is someone who she's not, a politician, but she believes it. Mm. And this is the same issue with with dealing with this topic, that 
whichever side you take, or even if you bought the middle and you're perceived as taking the one or side yeah, or the other by that's people, the problem. what you're dealing with is people's belief. Yeah. And fundamentally, the issue that that happens in Israel, is happening in Israel and Palestine is that you've got two peoples who fundamentally believe, like in their DNA, that they have an ancestral right to that land and that the other lot shouldn't exist on it. That's what that's what the issue boils down to. They have an ancestral right to be there uh, over the others. And I don't know how that situation is ever going to be resolved. I don't, yeah. Because of that, that belief runs so deep in the Palestinians and Muslim, pe- Muslim people around the world and also at the same time in, in not only Israelis but Jewish people. Yeah, I mean, if they could both live together because... You know, historically, they did live together in that part of the world. Yes, and there are there are, are Arab Israelis. Yeah. Um, but you know, how can they when the you know Israel is sort of pushing the Palestinians sort of further and further into the sea? Basically, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we got asked, don't. Don't politicize get, go, Don't it. get into the politics of this. Leave politics out I mean, of music. But I, I, yeah, and I didn't want to. But it's like when I talk about it, I do feel passionate about it. But at the same time, I feel helpless. Yeah, and that's what comes across in the song as well. I mean, I yes, I get the politics of that region are really complex. They're beyond my understanding. I don't, I don't interpret this song from a political lens. For me, it's a humanitarian song. Yeah, but here's it's the a thing. song yes. about loss and suffering and anger and trauma and pain and helplessness and vulnerability. And that's where I was going with my monologue was that was that I think I'm from the same perspective as H. You know, that's how I see it. You know, I do sort of see that Jews and Israelis. You know, not necessarily the Israeli government, but Jews and Israelis. I understand why Israel exists and why they feel it, feel it needs to exist. I yeah, get it. Absolutely. I get it. But when you, I look at it and look at what's going on, and you've got one side of this this fence living in relative luxury, and another side living in poverty. Without uh, medical supplies. Yeah, it, I don't know. Without, you know, the most basic human needs being met. That's not... That that's doesn't not... That doesn't seem fair or just. I get that they've had, you know, I get that their government is not the best, understatement, I know. I don't see how that's an excuse to not care about the lives of the people living there, the children, the innocent civilians. Yeah. And that that's, I think, really, ultimately, it's, it's how I feel is is what the song is saying, which is a sense of helplessness and frustration. Yeah. That, that... And it's that last line where it's like, surely someday someone must help us, mm. which is like a question. It's like, I can't tell if it's a question or a statement. It's kind of like, surely someone must help us. Surely someone is going to support us. How it feels. But there's also a bit of, so that you, you can feel the vulnerability in that. It's like, this situation is beyond our ability to resolve on our own. Mm. 
But there's also a real kind of loneliness in that because I sense a tiny bit of doubt. Like surely someone must help us, but will they mm. or will they not? And the complexity, again, it's beyond me. I am no way qualified mm. to comment on this situation at all. All I know is how, you know, the the personal side, the humanitarian side, which is expressed in this song, it it doesn't feel... No. It, 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 oh. I mean, no war is just, no war is fair. I don't know. I re- just really feel for the normal people, the civilians. That's ultimately it. And that's ultimately what this song seems to be about. And I'm failing in my attempts to not talk about the situation because it, it, the, the sheer fact that we're sort of saying that is wrong, just as the song was, just yeah. as, you know, people will, because it's, I'm going to say it, you know, this is the second use of the phrase this episode, brainwashed, brainwashed into believing that, that if you take that view, you're somehow anti-Israel or anti-Jew. Yeah. You know, that, that is, that's but what, then, that's what then, we're risking talking about. I, this. And I know, and um, something that stands out to me is um, a video I watched by, I think, well, we watched it together. Uh, by Gabor Mate, who's like, he's a Canadian psychotherapist, but he was originally born in Hungary and he's Jewish. Mm. And when he was at uni in Canada, he became a Zionist and he was very, a very passionate Zionist until he started looking into it a little bit more deeply into the situation and actually went to Palestine. Mm. He said he spent two weeks in Palestine and he cried every single day. Yeah. Uh. Not for the politics of the situation, but for the humanitarian Mm. crisis. And he says, like he said, you know, there are are Jewish scholars who have a lot to say about it, but they lose their tenure at universities. They, They aren't allowed to speak out and share their knowledge because it's seen as somehow anti Semitic, even though they are Jewish. Yeah. Um, they, you know, it's raw. They just, they can't do it. And Gabor Mate knows a lady who lives, and the song actually reminded me of this lady. She lives in Palestine and she works with children there to try and, you know, teach them meditation and give them some sort of therapy. She says it's not P- it's not for PTSD because there is no P, there's no post-trauma they're still being traumatized every single day, these children. So so basically what they're doing is just trying to mitigate the damage that is happening to them. They're growing up. You know, the song says it itself with like a, a sense that they have no future. There's been this... Uh... They're, they're, the loss of seeing their family members die, whether it's accidentally, like in the song says, the father just goes out to feed the birds and he dies. Or, you know the the horror of the situation the feeling that they have no future breeds this anger which then people might choose to become martyrs and act out in violence but that's this is this is it isn't it because something i've seen sort of said recently uh as is well the palestinians uh, you know they voted for hamas they elected them they brought them in but it's it's you know, when you're in a desperate situation, when you're yeah. lost, you do desperate things. Yeah. And you will turn 
to the wrong people If you help. think it's going to help you in some way. Yeah, you will cling to someone who, who promises you a way out. Yeah. And, you know, fuck Hamas, fuck the Israeli government. They're, you know, they're, this isn't about them. It's about people suffering. You yeah. know, my heart is for the people who were born in Israel who didn't ask for this. Yeah. The people who were born in Palestine who didn't ask for this. Yeah. Both, uh, on both sides. Know, on both sides. It's like, you know, this is ultimately... And in the last year particularly, I found myself getting increasingly... Yeah, because of probably everything that's happened in the Western world since 2016, increasingly disillusioned and frustrated by by our political system and our political leaders, you know, and that elected and the ones who are in opposition, you know, they're all shit, all of them. Mm. Um, and the worst people are the ones making the big decisions for us. Uh, and... This isn't about politics because fuck all politicians. This is about people. People, everyone who's suffering in that region. Mm. Um, you know, the politicians are not looking out for you. You know, don't listen to them. You know, you know, the politicians, Hamas, you know, Netanyahu. The Yahoo, is, once, once the politicians, once they get involved, once violence starts occurring against normal people, then it becomes a personal matter to each side. Once, yeah. you know... Families are, yeah, lose killed. children. Once babies are killed, once par- parents are killed, it becomes personal. Well, it's exactly. no longer a political issue. It becomes a personal issue, which, you know, sorry, my cynical side goes, well, how convenient for the politicians. Yeah. I, it's no, never I, no. them putting themselves at risk. And I get the... Polit- you never see the politicians at risk. I get the political pressure for Israel to respond to what Hamas did. Of course, you know. Absolutely. Of course, you want to lash out. But this is just like a never-ending cycle I just, I of don't violence. actually see a solution. I really no. don't. This is the tragedy of the situation is I don't know how it will ever be resolved. Because these people in charge aren't smart enough to realise if you step away from the cycle of violence, yes, it might not stop immediately, but, you know, you want to stop your people being killed on either side, stop committing the violent acts. You know, stop it. You know, whether you're... you're yes, I know, that you know, I know it's not, yeah. but but that... I know it isn't. Because, like, imagine, like, if they killed your mum or one of your kids, <laughs> you wouldn't be like, oh, stop the violence. You'd be like, yeah, let's but annihilate I them. don't know if I would sit there and kind of go, oh, well, hang on, wait a minute, now you've killed, like, 5,000 of them because of my mum? Uh, I don't know how I I'd feel about that. I don't think people are viewing that, the situation no, in that not. way. That's at, le- at least... From what I'm observing, it doesn't seem like they're viewing it in that way. Do you know what I think I am? I, I actually think I'm an anarchist. <laughs> no, I'm seriously. Are you? Seriously, I read a big um, document about anarchy the other day. Oh, what, okay, you're turning into me with my, you know, sleep. That's uh, fine, I'm not going to bore you on with it. No, I want to hear it now. No, it was like sleep thousands hygiene. of words long. I watched a video. Well, give, on. Us the, give us the... Um, um, Low down. It's what I actually was talking about with you recently about how, um, you know, it's all, there's no leaders, no leaders. Mm. You know, everything is, is a collective of, of volunteers or whatever, you know, there's, there's, so that's basically it. That's what actual anarchism is. It isn't chaos. 
Right. You know, some people would say such a system would lead to chaos because of human nature, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But I'm just done with politicians. I'm done with leaders. And I'm talking about leaders, managers, TV producers, you know, anyone with any power over anyone else, politicians, kings, queens, anyone with seniority. No, I'm done. Because look what look at the mess of the world. Mm. Look at it. Yeah, we trust in these people and look at the state of everything. And they they sell lies. They lie to us and they lie to people and people believe it because everyone's looking for someone to get them out of the shit we're in that has been caused by the previous generations of leaders. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm sure we've really screwed things up. I know. I, I'm sure, like, I've said stuff that may have annoyed people i'm sorry if it has um um yeah i'm sure my opinions are flawed i'm sure the information i have is flawed um all i say is like as a song that is about trauma and horror and how that can also be, you know, what I like about the song is it's not just about the trauma and the horror, but within it you have this contrast of this kind of like yearning for hope, not actual hope, but a yearning for hope. Mm. There's, you know, there's like glint, glimpse, glints. There's glints of like, um, it's not just a negative song. There's also you know there's a it shows a lot of like the the determination of people wanting to get through it of wanting to continue a normal life the kids will still go to school they'll still play outside this kind of yearning for hope so going like we will pull together and get through this as a family we've got each other i really admire i appreciate that in the song I think it makes it not just like a really heavy, depressing song. It makes it more of a human song because the human condition isn't just all bad or all good. It's got it's got various complexities and I agree. throughout it, and that's how I choose to 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 listen to it. I, I put the politics aside and go. This is a, it's like if I'm going to tell the story about a girl that grew up in France, that's going to be her point of view. That's what this song is. It's a snapshot of one point of view. Yes, you can be like, well, that's wrong because it doesn't take into consideration the bigger picture and the other point of view. But that's not what it is. But again, Um, I agree with you. I think it's a humanitarian song and anyone who's criticised it, I think I'm missing that. But sorry, the only people that have criticised it are the people that are in support of Israel. Yes. You don't get like you know, a neutral person criticising it. It's only the people that are on the other side of that war that are criticising it. Yeah, but hang on. So that says a lot. People on the other side of that war are a huge swathe of of the Jewish race. You know, there are plenty of people who aren't in Israel who are on that side of the war. Well, I mean supporters of Israel. I didn't mean only people from Israel. I meant the only people who are criticising it are people who are the supporters of Israel. That's why it's a complex situation. That's why it's... You you don't... You know, I I don't see a lot of people that are like, I don't know, Scottish and kind of sort of aren't taking sides in the situation criticising it. 
because they don't have well, there a are, personal... Because I, I had a message this week from someone who... Oh, okay. You know, there are. There are plenty of people, particularly in America, who support Israel, who will hate everything we've said. Okay, but because, that's different minute, because, again, they're well, supporting Israel. They're supporting yes. one side. They're not sort of going both sides. It's a complex situation. I'm not taking sides. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but why would they criticise it if they weren't? I don't exactly. Know, I don't know your point. Well, exactly. Yeah, I don't really see your point there. Um, my point is... Of if, course the people who criticise it are the people who, who take the opposite view to what the songs say. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The only people criticising this are the people who have something to criticise it for. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is it's like they're not neutral in the matter. They have personal stakes in the matter. But is anyone neutral in the matter? That's that's Yes, it. because there are people that can look at it and go, I can see both sides. I can see both sides. But at the same time, I kind of do go, there seem to be one group of people who are suffering more than the other. It does seem that way. But at the same time, that other group of people have suffered historically in an enormous number. So, uh, true. I don't know if that justifies making people. Oh, no, 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 I just want to dig my hole. Look, I mean, I've got Jewish ancestry. I'm not anti-Jewish people. It's, you know, but it does not seem like a balanced situation. Anyway, but again, I, I don't understand it. So this um, is it. I, was... I, I do understand why Jewish people would be offended about anyone supporting Palestinians. I've got a friend who's currently living in the West Bank and she's Jewish and she fully sees Israel's side and sees Hamas and, and the Palestinians as terrorists who have to be annihilated. Mm -hmm. They hear gunfire every evening from their living room. They're suffering as well. But taking a step back, it does seem like the people on that other side of that wire are, are suffering a little bit more. Not a little bit more, a lot more. Shall we stop before we dig ourselves yeah. into I a Yeah, I wish hole. we didn't have to talk about this. H, why do you have to write a song about this? Stupid H. <laughs> why do you have to write a song you about this bastard. make us talk about it? <laughs> we could have just done a whole hour, <laughs> a whole hour about Yoko Ono and the Seven Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're going to be misunderstood, you know, in the... We see where we're coming from as we're looking at it as you know from a humanitarian perspective on the ground, if you like. And I think that's what H was was attempting to do. But you know, maybe we are wrong, maybe we are biased, maybe we are seeing it in a different way. We don't think we're doing anything wrong. We think we're being kind of kind and compassionate, but you know, just the same as H got criticized um for his words you know i'm sure there's going to be people who tell us we're wrong for saying what we've said um oh, abs I, absolutely you know, i know there will be there will be uh but all i'll say to those people is look we don't mean any harm uh you know we're not we're not clued up we just see see it and pff, i don't know i've tried to be balanced and i've tried to kind of sort of say that i understand that that historically there's enormous pain mm -hmm. you know on the other side as well um and you know we're not we're not clever people sanya and i <laughs> <laughs> look we yeah. have an analogy about the yoko ono and the seven beetles that was an analogy we... was it <laughs> 
<laughs> see, see, I even got that wrong. <laughs> so we're clearly uh, not geniuses sitting here. Yeah. Look, but you know, we're not. We're not. Bad. But then we're not you know, bad people. We're certainly. Doesn't not. seem like anyone seems to have a good solution for this situation. So it's it's you know it's not it's not just us that. We're, we're certainly not anti-Semitic. You know, one of our closest friends is called Eli Silverman. You know, I've got Jewish yeah. ancestry. We think I might do as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, my name is Rose. Yeah. So oh, they think I've had Jewish people come up. Well, if I had a friend that was convinced you were Jewish. Yeah. So. Um. But that's different to you know. I didn't grow up Jewish, so. No, I I I didn't. But I. It's quite like my grandma is pretty convinced that her mum was. Yeah. Just from the, the um. Oh, likewise, my kids. I mean, she. My she kids told, have got Jewish. Yeah, Jewish she blood told a rabbi all the, yeah. the traditions and things that her mom would do, and he was like, "Yeah, that's definitely Jewish." Yeah, no, no, it's like we. Um, I think uh, it's my ex's uh, grandfather. I think he was Jewish, but they fled. Um, they fled uh, Ukraine. Oh wow! Because of the Nazis, yeah, um, and hid the fact they were Jewish. So my yeah. kids have got Jewish people, ancestry. A lot of people changed it, which is what my grandma thinks. Her mum changed her surname. Yeah. Um. Oh dear, this has been a. Uh, it's hard. It's. Episode. I mean, hard is an understatement. It's. It's absolutely beyond. Beyond our capacity to talk about. Yeah. Like I feel really unqualified talking about. Yeah, this. me too. Me too. And it's such a. And I feel disrespectful because I'm so unqualified. I shouldn't really be commenting. Um, and which is why it's like I I am not qualified to comment on the politics of it. But looking at the song and just talking about the song, I'm commenting on the humanitarian aspect. I did want to avoid talking about the song it's all the lyrics really but well we you, haven't really i well, only mentioned them briefly you draw you well what we've just talked about it for an hour okay. what are you talking about oh you didn't want to talk about you the just lyri- talked about this i didn't are you a- saying we didn't okay, talk about what I, the song was about no you, i did we've not done go it for the last hour notes about the lyrics did you black out or something did you black out we've well, literally we- just talked about nothing but gaza for about an hour yeah but we didn't like okay <laughs> we didn't like go through the song and well we don't need to go through it lyric by lyric we're talking about the theme of the song yeah yeah we don't need to go 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 over every line we know what it's <sighs> we about we probably shouldn't even done that but then it's like but then how can you not it's such a big part of our world and it's a, a huge key song in Marillion's canon you know yeah. it, 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 it is but the subject unfortunately it's really is... brave of them to write and release the song yeah i wonder I wonder what that was like, whether there was discussion. I seem to recall that there was very little discussion about it. I seem to remember them saying that they were all fairly early on on board with it, that H took the idea mm. to them and they all felt the same way. Um, that it was, you know, and particularly the fact that he was taking steps to um, be sensitive and, and speak yeah. to people from both sides. I mean, that's the thing. I feel it was written very sensitively yeah yeah so i don't know but again it's such a it's like you know there's so many topics like this in the world that that you try and find middle ground or objectiveness that you're just on a hiding to nothing you know like the trans debate for instance that that 
passions are Instantly so gets inflamed. Back yeah, you know, yeah. And, and you do anything that sort of walks a middle line, you you know, you then get it from both sides. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe there isn't a middle line for things, but you know, certainly either side would say there wasn't. Yeah, that's true. Uh so anyway, God. I don't know. Should we even put this episode out? Too late now. I'm not recording another one. It's out. It's out. <laughs> no, look, let's, you know, if they can put Gaza on the album, we can put this episode yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did do my best. I did do some research. I did did look up the history of the the conflicts and the situation and and yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I did try to sort of you know, at least kind of be objective and kind of go, well, yeah, but look at the other side of it. Yeah. So, um, and I do believe that, you know, I, I genuinely, when it comes down to it, ordinary people have suffered, particularly this in the past month or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because of the and situation. And it is tragic. It is. It's, uh, you know, here we are in 2023 and the fact that the, the world is, here's the thing as well. I I, um, I was at my mum's the other day and my, all, all the books i used to get my dad for christmas is still there um i always used to buy him books about the war and i, I my mum's sort of been saying i'll take some of them so i took one the other day um and it had a map in it of the political situation of the world pre-1938 i think oh wow and it europe you realize how few democracies there actually were at that time you know we think here in the West, that's not Britain. that long ago no, you kind of think oh yeah yeah you know democracy that's the default isn't it but no. actually when you look at history it's not really not it's really. dictatorships are the default yeah and that's scary it just made me realize god how fragile how fragile peace is and we think we're safe here uh but i don't know you know look how close america came to you know having an election overturned in recent years you know, how close America came to having a dictator. Mm. Still could. Anyway, bloody hell. This is probably... Is this the heaviest step we've done? We must have no, done heavier. we must have done heavier. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty heavy. And maybe we should put, like, a warning, don't listen to this. Well, we did that on the fish one, and that didn't work, did it? We jumped the shark. What has this podcast become? It's just like a <laughs> don't listen to this just podcast. Like, just walk around if, with a target if you're on our back. feeling fragile, don't listen. I know we're just I don't know why do we do it why can't we what? be safe because that's that not about? how I mean that's not how the world is you know I mean yes okay we can just go avoiding any kind of topic that would ever stir anyone up or have any kind of opinion back, uh, uh, contrasting opinion to it but that's not how the world works mm. that's not how life is there are disagreements in life there are opposing opinions there are going to be people who think you're wrong i think i don't think it's that what do you why do you think it is i just think you and i we we, we haven't got the buffers that other people have we have, <laughs> what would other people do we're not going to talk about this and move yeah. on to the next one. yeah we can't do it because we unfortunately you and but i why can't you talk about it that's why i don't it's understand it's not no no whoa 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 wait a minute can't no it's not they won't it's a difference you know, because they'll get shit. We we know we're putting this out. We risk getting shit. We know we risk losing listeners. We know we risk upsetting people. We know we risk getting angry emails. There's a difference. But it's not can't. We can do what we like. The difference is other people 
perhaps wouldn't want to because because it would be it's too controversial a topic whereas you and i i just think you know the same the thing is it's like if you if you can't discuss things no you again you're saying can't you're missing my point you're completely okay, missing my if point if you can't because you're scared of having any someone disagree That's, with you there we go or not listen to <laughs> there you there we go i didn't finish the sentence yeah. how will we ever grow and how will we ever sometimes like i just like to talk something through not necessarily because i feel i'm right or wrong but it's like you're fleshing out the your understanding of a topic. But it's also, I think, it's someone's right to not want... Look, ultimately, being like this, as you and I are, yeah, doesn't make life easier. And it's, so it's someone's right if they don't want to deal with, a, with heavy subjects, you know, because it might stir people up. That's, I completely admire them for that. You know, we're the ones who invite shit on our heads. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're the ones, yeah, so I kind of go, it's not about can't or feeling they can't. It's like, fair enough. Won't then. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I agree. It's like, you know. We're our own worst enemies. We've said this many times on this podcast. We're way too too open and honest. (laughs) Annoying. Yeah, we we upset (laughs) Beatles fans right at the start. I know, what the hell? By, yeah, pointing out the truth that Ringo Starr's dopey. Don't bring attention to that. I thought you were going to edit that out. It's the dopey beetle. (laughs) I thought you were going to edit that out. Do you think he is dopey or he just looks a bit dopey? What do you think? Do you think he actually is dopey? I wouldn't know, Paul, because I don't know him personally. Now look at you. You get all scared. I'm not educated enough to comment. You know, it's terrible that you can't say anything about Ringo Starr these days. It's terrible you can't talk about Ringo Starr being dopey. Well, you can if you want to. It's up to you. Ringo Starr. Do not send any more. What did he not want Please people to send more? No more fan gifts. mail. No more fan mail because he's got too much to deal yeah. with. Yeah. Any fan mail sent after October 31st will be sent back with Thomas peace and love, engine. with peace and love. That's a terrible accent. Thomas, well, I, can't, I used to do a good Scouse accent. How's it go? Yeah, yeah, calm down, calm down. That's not what Ringo Starr sounds <laughs> no, like. No, I know. Isn't. I like Ringo Starr. Great. Look at you backtracking now. No, I genuinely do. Do you want like to also him. say you like Jewish people? Go on. Paul, please, we don't need to start <laughs> making this situation worse. I do like Jewish people. <laughs> Some of them. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know every single. <laughs> of course, we like Jewish um... people. We like all people. I don't apart like from, all people. Apart from the, okay, apart I don't from the like all people. <laughs> oh what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> Why did I bring that bit into it in the end? <laughs> You've still got time to edit it no, out. I'll leave it. No. They know I was joking. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. This whole episode, it's just been a prank. <laughs> this whole episode was a prank on you. Whatever we believe is the same as you. It was just a prank. <laughs> whatever you believe that's that's our belief so don't have a go because we believe the same thing you and if you have a go at us you're having a go at yourself so you know <laughs> back off <laughs> uh all right well pff, we'll be back next week i hope, I hope. yeah uh, unless we've been firebombed all right bye everyone
You're not going to say goodbye. Oh, <laughs> oh, I meant to. Were you just looking at me like with a well? The thing weird you saying face. bye is enough. You say well, it's polite, saying... isn't it? If you leave someone's house, do you just let me say bye on your behalf, and then you just look at them with that weird face that you have, where your your lips pursed together, or kind of? Oh, I was zoned out. What was I thinking about? I don't know. Right, bye everyone. Uh, yeah, bye everyone. <laughs>